0: You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. This is Dr. Saba Marouf, and you are listening to Unsung Heroes, uncovering stories of inspiration and action here on Podcast Detroit. To another episode of Unsung Heroes Stories to Inspire, where our purpose is to share amazing stories and unique narratives of individuals who have been sparked by their passion to become movers, shakers, and change makers in our communities. And we truly hope that by sharing these stories of positivity, we will inspire you to live a life of purpose and action. You can find us on Facebook and um, find all of our past episodes, as well as our past episodes on the website podcastdetroit.com and we're also on iTunes and we have an Instagram page as well so you can follow us on Unsung Heroes and on our Facebook page is Unsung Heroes Stories to Inspire. But today I am super excited. Um, As some of our listeners know, you know, we haven't really been um, uh, having as frequent as shows but, um, you know, and that's kind of not really on purpose but uh, I'm really just, um, you know, I'm just really excited because um, the the guests that we do have might not be as frequent. but, they're just truly inspiring, and um, and I'm, I'm very enthusiastic and excited today to share the voice of someone very special. Um, I, she's not just a local hero, but a national hero, and, um, and just an amazing person overall. And we are talking today to Dr. Mona Hanna-Attisha, who is the author of What the Eyes Don't See, A Story of Crisis, Resistance, and Hope in an American City, which is a detailed account of the Flint water crisis. And while the book is all about the the behind-the-scenes uncovering of the public health disaster, it's also about the life of a female physician, a mother and woman of color trying to raise her daughters to be kind and live a life of service. And it's about compassionate care and activism on so many fronts. And so I'm so excited to welcome uh, Dr. Mona Hanna-Attisha today. Welcome.
1: Thank you, Sawa. It's great to be with you. Oh, I'm so excited.
0: Um, I listened to your book uh, about a month ago, and I listened. I've been doing a lot of uh, audiobooks, as a lot of uh, our friends mm-hmm. have. You know, you're like on the road, and sometimes that's kind of the best way Absolutely. to catch up on books. But the only thing the with fast,
1: that, the it, fastest growing book market is audiobooks. Oh, really?
0: Yeah, I'm definitely yeah. I'm not surprised. Um, but I, the only thing with that though is that you know when you don't have the you know as um, Bookworm and Book Lover, I'm sure you can relate. It's like you don't, when you don't have the physical book, you don't have like your notes and your little stickers, uh, sticky tags and notes yeah. and underlines. So <laughs> I'm basing this purely yeah. on you know my impression and memory of it. But it was just – and I'm, I'm also going to say, and you might have seen uh, I wrote this on some of the Facebook pages that were on, but um, I had read Becoming by Michelle Obama, and I was like, mm-hmm. what am I going to read now? Like that book was so amazing, mm-hmm. and I got to see her in Detroit mm-hmm. when she was here December 11th. Mm-hmm. And so – um, mm-hmm. It it was just like I'm like what what am I gonna read now? But then I read your book and I was like this was the perfect book after becoming. So oh, thank
1: you, <laughs> and I'm, I'm not just saying thank you that. So much. To be in the same sentence as Michelle Obama, that's, I'm done. My day is done. It's complete. Thank
0: you. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. No, but, I mean, you're just amazing. Uh, She's a pediatrician, scientist, and activist who is a native of Michigan and the daughter of immigrants from Iraq. And um, you grew up in the Royal Oak area and graduated from both the University of Michigan and Michigan State University Mm -hmm. and um, did your training. Oh, blue, go green. Oh, yeah. See, that's awesome. See, no um, rivalries (laughs) there. And um, did your training and then also to recognize represent did your training at Children's Hospital.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I wonder mm-hmm. if we kind of yeah. overlapped there because I was a student at Wayne um, until 2007. So I did my rotations like 2005, 2006 at Children's.
1: Yeah, so absolutely. maybe I was on faculty at Wayne State working very closely with our medical students at, at, at Wayne State during their pediatrics rotation. Yep. So I so probably, probably had you as a student. You were awesome. I remember you. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Actually, it really wasn't. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that was a that was pediatric. People don't know this pediatric residency is tough. Oh my gosh, I just did it as a student, and those were like the most uh, trying and tiring um, nights and days of my medical school career, I think. So, I don't think people realize that how hard of a residency it is.
1: (laughs) It is all residencies are hard, um, but pediatric probably the most rewarding profession because we get to hang out with kids all day who inspire us and and make us smile.
0: Oh, yeah. And actually, and you're still doing that on your day to day with all this other amazing stuff that you're doing. Um, Dr. Mona is the director and founder of the Pediatric Public Health Initiative in Flint, as well as the current uh, director of the Pediatric Public Health Fellowship at Hurley Hospital in Flint. And are you still the program director of the pediatrics program as well?
1: No, I'm not. So I I gave that up since last July. So it it was just kind of too much to handle. But I can never leave medical education. So I started out my career in medicine, um, really always, you know, being an educator, I feel that whenever you're involved in education, be it in medicine, or really any discipline as a teacher, um, your role is multiplicative. So it's, you know, it's always been kind of a passion of mine to make sure that we train our next generation of docs um, to to go out there and do good. So I am still in education as a as a director of a new fellowship um, called a
0: Oops, sorry, you cut out a little bit.
1: Really merge the disciplines. Oops. Oh, sorry, um, go ahead. Say where again. we again. hope to merge. Yeah. Uh, so, as my role as a pediatric public health fellowship director, okay, right. I'm able to remain in you know medical education and really hope to grow a workforce of pediatricians who espouse public health concepts. But, but yeah, no longer the residency director.
0: Wow that that's so awesome though. And um, you know, we're, of course, we're going to talk about this. And I know not all of our readers have read your book, but um, and I strongly encourage everyone to everybody read your you know, physicians, um, anyone native to Michigan. I mean, after I read it, I was like, everyone needs to read this book. Anybody that cares about people, which hopefully is, you know, most of us. Um, but that's really, um, did you, um, kind of formulate like f- that fellowship yourself? Cause it seems like it combines so many of your passions.
1: Yeah. So yeah. So this is a homegrown fellowship. And, um, shortly after the water crisis happened, you know, my focus really became on, on what's next, you know, how are we going to preserve the tomorrows of our children? Um, so I, I we created this Pediatric Public Health Initiative, which is this, um, you know, a program that's working with many of our community partners, including our Flint kids and our parents, to to really promote the development and future of our children. And part of that initiative has always been to, to build the workforce of individuals who, who can go out and, and do this work. So, uh, and out of that initiative, um, to to make sure that Flint always has a workforce who, who can integrate medicine and public health, um, but also so that we can export that workforce, so that we can have folks who understand these concepts working in other, you know, underserved areas.
0: Wow. That's amazing. So your book, What the Eyes Don't See, is the story about the Flint water crisis. And um, it's a and I'm sure it's received other accolades, but um, it was, just, you know, just being published um, about six months ago. It's already re- mm-hmm. uh, received. The, it's a New York Times notable book and it's received glowing mm-hmm. reviews from Oprah, Rachel Maddow, the New York Times book review and mm-hmm. even Aaron Brockovich. I thought that was really cool. You you cry, yeah, and it's. Out.
1: it's, it's- it's absolutely humbling. You know, you write a book. I know. And I, first of all, I never expected in my career going into medicine that I would write a book. Um, I, I love reading. I love writing. Um, but once again, I never expected to be really kind of in the middle of exposing a, a you know a public health crisis. Um, so I felt it was really important to get this story out there to to share in a very firsthand account what happened in Flint, my role in that, um, and really to serve as um, as kind of an inspiration for others to recognize that there's injustices everywhere um, and that we all need to kind of open our eyes to injustice, uh, to these injustices and to act. Um, so I, w- I wrote this book to kind of share that story, um, and I never expected that it would be so... Warmly reviewed and kind of widely acclaimed, and it's been absolutely humbling. Uh, Oprah put it on her summer reading list and said it had the gripping intrigue of a Grisham thriller, Um, Mm -hmm. and then the New York Times like top hundred books of the year. So it's it's all very 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 humbling, but it is absolutely rewarding to be able to share this story and the lessons with such a wider audience.
0: Wow. Well, no, you were. I'm so. I mean, so many of us are so glad that you wrote it, and you really are an amazing writer and storyteller, and. And, of course, everything you write about is true, but it's in such fine detail. And I love how you include the descriptions of your past and the richness of your family heritage and history and Mm -hmm. incorporate that with, you know, growing up in the area. And even just, um, you know, people learn about the history of Flint and the history of, like, you know, our region here in Southeast Michigan. Um, It's really, I mean, just so many different aspects, industrialization, industrial kind of – uh, revolution, I guess. I mean, this
1: is the mm-hmm.
0: industrialization yeah. of the cities, and then just kind of what happens when these, huge, yeah, this, yeah, yeah. Go ahead, sorry, yeah. please. This
1: book t- has has yeah, you, you got it, and you're you you touched on so many of the interconnections um, that this book hopes to share. There's a, there's a lot of history in this book, and it's not like. Um, you know, fall asleep. History. Mm-hmm. It's a page-turning history about, about lead, about public health, about about cities, about you know, being an immigrant and family history. Um, and it, it's so you know, so often we are in places and, and we fail to recognize how those places came to be. Um, so really, incorporating a lot of that history is um, adds such a richer fabric um, to to how we live and how we understand situations. Uh, so I, I think that's why so many kind of why this book has resonated with so many folks because it's a book about it's about medicine, it's about public health, it's about race, it's about economics, it's about family, it's about being a mom, it's about being a wife, it's about, you know, standing up. So it has so many different themes um within this book.
0: Wow, definitely. Yes. I yeah. It is. It was I, and it is. It's just like uh, just so gripping and page, tr- I mean, well, I wasn't turning pages, I was listening, but <laughs> I couldn't stop listening. <laughs> um, so tell us, so you talked a little bit about how you never thought that you would, you know, be right, write, uh, write a book. And I think this came out pretty soon after it, as everything happened. Mm-hmm. Like, can you tell us a little bit how, um, well, I guess, when did you realize that um, there was a need to document this journey and share this journey and like yeah. kind of how that process was for you?
1: Yeah, I think I was in like, in a state of denial for a long time in terms of writing a book. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to write a book. Um, Like, you know, why would I write a book? The story is not about me. It's about a team. There's so many other, you know, narratives out there. Um, But, you know, while I was denying that, I was actively taking notes and, you know, keeping a diary and journaling. Um, And by the time that I had fully committed three hundred pages um, of an outline and, and and just stuff and some of that stuff was just like copy pasted emails and scientific articles um, but really I had built that kind of outline of of what I wanted to write um, and you know it it didn't really kind of uh, precipitate until um, I ran into my my future editor um, I met him at an event in Washington D C his name is Chris Jackson he's with Penguin Random House and he is at and he is the editor oh, of... sorry, you just Molly cut out Coates just a second. And Stevenson. Oh, um, wow. And he... A, he is, edited... Can um, you hear
0: me? Oh, yeah, sorry, you just cut out a little bit. Yeah. When you were talking about Chris Jackson. So he... he did he work? With, did you say Brian Stevenson? He worked with him on his yeah, book, Just Mercy. Oh a, wow! Yep,
1: he's the editor of Brian Stevenson, Tanasi Coates, Trevor Noah. Oh wow! And he is all about elevating diverse voices and all about social justice issues. And he came up to me and he's like, "You need to write a book," and I'm like, "Okay, fine. I'm going to write a book." <laughs> um, so he really kind of crystallized it, and and you know, kind of helped me throughout the entire process.
0: Wow, that is so interesting, and um. Having read some of those books, I can yeah, this is that makes sense. I mean, because definitely in the same genre and the um such an important need um that's that's really cool. Totally. So you know, you did you write about kind of um, growing up in Michigan and Royal Oak mm-hmm. and your dad working um you know for the um for uh, Ford or. G- was it GM General Okay, GM. That's mm-hmm. right. Well, right, because in Flint, mm-hmm. and you write about your environmental mm-hmm. activism in high school, and that mm-hmm. uh, it seemed. And one mm-hmm. of the reviews I read too was describing you that the sense of justice and accountability never left you. Where do you think mm-hmm. this passion for social justice and activism started, and kind of you know took seed, and yeah. you know how do you think? Like, how did you keep it alive? I guess throughout your life.
1: Yeah, you know, I I think it started prenatally. Like I think it was really kind of rooted in in my family values and 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 that's why this book it's it's not just about Flynn. It, it's so much about like who I am and how I came to be. Um and I think it I and I really wanted to for you to to for readers to to know that that immigrant story and mm-hmm. to know that you know, here I am from a, you know, a Muslim majority country where, you know, we were on our on the Trump's first ban list. Yet here we are as a people that also truly value social justice and peace and, and, you know, and and fighting for those things and really with a long line of history fighting for those things. Mm -hmm. So that's why all of that was very kind of strongly incorporated in this book. Um, You know, Uh, One story that I love to share that's in the book is about my great uncle, Nuri Rafael, who in the 1930s um, was one of two people who left Iraq to go to Spain to fight in the Spanish Civil War against the Nazis and, you know, fight against, you know, fascism and Franco. Um, And it was a borderless Mm -hmm. cause for him. You know, he wasn't fighting about a race or a religion or a country. You know, it was about it was about justice. Um, an opportunity, no, no matter where that may be. And, and so those were the ideals and the values that I was raised with. Um, you know, as an immigrant being so fortunate and blessed to be in this country, also acutely knowing what people in power could do to vulnerable populations, um, and, and really having that philosophy that no matter where you are, um, you, you, you know, you work for justice and, and you serve your community.
0: Wow. Beautiful. And I love how you put, um, an identity and face to Iraqi Iraqis and Iraqi Americans. Um, especially, and you talk about this, like the impact of the war in Iraq and how kind of, you know, how that impacted your family here, knowing that you mm-hmm. have family back there and like being vilified. And I mean, you know, definitely can mm-hmm. relate to that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What was your, like experience like with your, you know, family and
1: yeah I love that yeah, I love you know, how write we, about it. We we came to this we we came to this country you know when i was 4 very much kind of fleeing the regime of Saddam Hussein and you know fleeing the oppression and the tyranny um and that fascism and we we came here for freedom and opportunity and democracy and that was absolutely realized you know that american dream that so many people are are coming to this country Lady Liberty, her arms aren't as open wide. Um, you know, that's what we came for and that's what was realized. Uh, so, you know, we kind of grew up in this metro Detroit community. We're obviously a large Arab American community um, and, and had that that identity, you know, ingrained in me. And, and those values, you know, really ingrained me that drove me uh to the to a career in service, specifically to medicine and, and really drove me to be in places like Flint. Um so having that kind of that background um is, is is part of who I am and part of what I do. Um so in this book, you know, there's there's Arabic words and, and you get to you hear about Arabic food and you get to recognize you know, you, you know, see, you know, your neighbor like also espouse these you know these mm-hmm. very you know Arab American values um that many of our neighbors do.
0: Wow. Um, And really, you could have practiced anywhere in the state or country for that matter. And, you know, not only do you work in Flint and teach in Flint, you um, readers will learn that you like revamped the whole educational program and department um, in the city at Hurley Hospital. How did you decide to like kind of dedicate your professional career and uh, stay in Flint? And, you know, what is it um, to you? What is it about the city that makes it so special?
1: Yeah, and I and I hope it comes across in this bu- in the book. But you know, Flint is a place that you just fall in love with. Um, the people of Flint are incredible. They are gracious. They are proud and loyal and smart and brilliant and um, it is a pleasure. It is a privilege. Like I feel blessed every day to be able to serve and work in this city. Um, and I, I, I first felt that when I was a medical student. Um, I, I went to Michigan State University. It was a community-based medical school. My clinical training was in Flint. So over 20 years ago, I was in Flint as a medical student and that's where I first realized that, hey, this, this city is special. Yeah, it's been through ups and many downs. Um, But it is a place that rises, um, really, um, with the strength of of the city being its people. Um, So after, you know, medical school, I was in Detroit for about 10, 11 years um, at at Wayne State University, Children's Hospital Michigan, very similar kind of situation Mm -hmm. as Flint. And then the opportunity came in 2011 to come back to Flint um, to lead the residency program. Um, And, you know, I jumped on it. I recognized this was a perfect opportunity for me to get back to the city that gave me so much. Um, and to, you know, really work in that medical education capacity um, to, to train future physicians.
0: Wow. Now, you know, of course, we, again, want to encourage everyone to read the book. But can you tell us a little bit about how, like, kind of, you know, the beginnings and when you and how you realized that there was this crisis brewing in the city?
1: Yeah, so, um, for about a year and a half, um, my eyes were very closed to what was happening in the city. So the title of the book is What the Eyes Don't See. So I, I I really did not see the extent of what was happening. Patients would come to me and ask me, you know, is this water okay? Should I be mixing this, you know, water with my baby's powdered formula? Um, you know, it's giving my kid a rash. Are you sure it's okay? And I was naively um uh, reassuring my patients because the state was telling us everything was okay and and I believed that this is America, the richest country in the history of the world, that it's the 21st century, um, and that we're in the middle of the Great Lakes. And I believed that you know, we had protections and people who, when we turned on our tap, mm-hmm. our water was okay. Um, that all changed for me um, in the late summer of 2015, when by pure randomness, a high school girlfriend was over my house. It was a last-minute barbecue, hanging out with our children. Um, my high school girlfriend happened to be a drinking water expert, um, mm-hmm. and she's happened the one me. that told me that the water wasn't being treated properly, and because of that, there would be lead in the water. And from that very moment, you know, my life changed, because when a pediatrician hears the word lead... Um, you don't mess around with it. You don't mess around with lead. You don't mess around with kids. Um, and that's really what kind of started my quest to see if that lead in the water was getting into the bodies of our children.
0: Wow. And that, that is so amazing, just the fact that you're, and this was your friend also, that was in, that you guys worked together on um, your environmental activism in high school. Yeah. And that really yeah. it's like fate that brought you guys you, together. You,
1: absolutely. You can't, you know, you can't, Make up the serendipity, um, so in high school, when we were doing environmental activism, um i we put on plays for little kids, like for elementary schools, about like reuse and reduce and recycle and take <laughs> care of your environment, and in those plays, I was always Mother Earth, and she was aqua Anastasia, so she was all. Um, and she went on to become a drinking water expert, worked at the EPA for many wow. years, um, and then wonderfully came back to Michigan uh, to be close to family and happened to be in my house to share this information. So one of the take-home stories is reconnect with friends, hang out with your girlfriends, you know, find friends of different disciplines. It's important.
0: Yeah. But that also, I mean, that says a lot, too, that you both have that drive and that passion and that sense of justice. Um And that's kind of what drew you to each other and, you know, working together so beautifully. Um, And, you know, your journey as we've, you know, as I've read and as readers will see in your book and that have read in your book that the journey was not a straight line from A to B. Um, Can you talk, I mean, this whole journey that you found yourself on that you took, can you talk a little bit about the most challenging kind of roadblocks or some of the challenging roadblocks that you faced and, and when you realized what you were up against?
1: Absolutely. So, you know, in kind of detective style, rapid pace, we conducted the research to see um, if the lead in the water was getting into the bodies of our children. And, and of course, it was. Uh, science was being denied. Um, and I think that the hardest part in this in this whole story, which the reader will be, you know, walk through, is when the state denied that science. Uh, you know said i was wrong and that my research was wrong and it was really um you know denying um the science which is which is which is really important right now because we are really at this national state of science denial, be it with climate change or, you know, the regulations at the EPA. Um, so that's why this story is so relevant to today. Um, and, I, you know, the readers kind of walk through how, um, how that impacted me personally, because when the state told me I was wrong, I thought I was wrong. Like maybe I was wrong and I began to doubt myself um, and then ultimately, you know, got the courage Back to, to fight back, and I think that's an important lesson because so often we, you know, we we choose not to identify issues because we're scared, mm-hmm. um, and it makes us feel uncomfortable, and we don't want to step out of our boxes because we're we're afraid of being attacked, and and we don't think we have that courage to to, to fight up. Um, and I wanted to share the story to to. to so that readers know that, hey, there will come a time in your life that, you know, that you will get scared and that people may attack you. Um, but doing what's right is, is not always the easiest thing to do, but it's what, the, what is the right thing to do. Um, mm-hmm. So that's definitely one of the very important lessons of this book.
0: Well, wow, for sure, I mean, you describe um like your sleepless nights and that you didn't you know initially originally you didn't talk to your uh, parents about it because because you were scared mm. and and I think also you touched on um you know going into medicine uh, what means kind of you know being a good student and um studying hard and listening to your teachers and learning from your teachers and 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 I don't know. This is also kind of you know we see this. I think also as the children of immigrants in a way that, um, well maybe maybe it depends the country that you come from. But you mm-hmm. know like the respect to elders and authority figures. Sure. Or- and yeah, in the
1: book I I, I touched on that. The concept called ebb. Oh, right. yes, um you in did. Arabic mm-hmm. is like you you know, you don't wanna like cause shame on yourself or your family. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, oh my gosh, is this a you know, I'm causing an ebb for my institution and my university and the city. Like I you don't wanna, you know, do something that's gonna embarrass everybody. Wow.
0: How I mean and then when your parents did find out when You know, they were were so proud of you, I'm sure. But like how, you know, how has that kind of been for your family, just taking this journey with you?
1: Yeah, they... um they're very proud, but, but what comes up, uh, what I hope comes out across in the book is also how much my mom is a worrier. Like, I think like most, mm-hmm. you know, first generation immigrant tiger moms. Um, so she, to this day, worries. She worries that I'm going to be safe and she worries, you know, that, you know, I'm not going to get hurt and she worries that if I'm sleeping enough. Um, so they continue to be wor- to worry, but obviously they're very proud. And, and the book is, you know, I, I hope also very much kind of a tribute to them and a, and a way for me to think them for how they raised me.
0: Wow, and then I love how you you know you you kind of um, I mean it it really is like when you're reading it it's like you're kind of living through kind of the day to day, but it's mm-hmm. very intriguing. And then when you talk about like the first press press conference and just all that anxiety, um, and having to mm-hmm. stand up and and um, talk about this and bring this to the light. Um, but I also really love how you um, you're not like you know, you're definitely, of course, part of what you had to do was point out that there was things that were being, I think, you know, covered up and Mm -hmm. not um, transparent. There was a lack of transparency. But I really do love at the end how you talk about um, really kind of your interaction, well, with Governor Snyder even, and kind of what he did at the end to try to, um, you know, when he, I basically, I, I really liked how you weren't really Um, -hmm. I don't want to say attack, but you know what I mean. Like, there was like Mm -hmm. a positive kind of closure there, and that you could kind of bring out even the humanity in um in in everybody, including kind of the state too.
1: Sure, you know what i what I tried to bring home is, um, you know my my constituency is children. I report to children, and you know I will do whatever. I will work with whomever. Um, you know, doesn't matter political affiliation or what happened in the past to do what's best for children. Um, and I think once you can kind of put aside all the other stuff and recognize kind of what your focus is, um, th- what, at least for me, that became my drive. Um, and, and, you know, my, my job is not the prosecutor. I'm not in charge of investigations. My job is the children. Um, and so that's kind of the framework and the philosophy that kind of drove me in this work.
0: So the fight and struggle, I guess, you know, it's um, still kind of going on. It's far from over. It's not like a... Hundred percent resolution, I don't think. But what is the status of Flint, the Flint water crisis, presently? And kind of what is your focus? What's your focus been on as of late?
1: Yeah. So we're. The unfiltered water and bottled water because our pipes are being replaced. Um, our pipes were so damaged from the curse of water, they're in the process of being replaced, which is awesome. We'll, we'll only be the third city in the country that's replaced their lead lead service lines. Um, and that should be completed by um, in two thousand and nineteen, so this year. So that's fantastic news. And you know, after that, there will be the all clear on the water. um however, my my day is spent children, uh, leading this pediatric public health initiative, which is this, you know, hand-in-hand effort with community partners to improve the lives of Flint children. And what we have built is a model public health program uh, with evidence-based resilience-building interventions um, for Flint kids. Uh, So things that have been put in place are things like home visiting programs and two brand-new child care centers, literacy support, breastfeeding services, Medicaid expansion, trauma-informed care, school Mm. health services. Um, And the list really kind of goes on and on of of the awesome that we've been able to do for Flint kids. And then in a very kind of data-driven way, things like the Flint Registry, which just launched, we hope to share our best practices with kids all over. Everything we are doing in Flint is, is not just isolated to Flint. It's, it's really for kids all over this country that, that wake up to some of the same nightmares that our Flint kids wake up to, be it lead contamination or poverty or injustice or austerity or lost democracy, you name it. Um, so we're really hoping that, that what we do here can shine a light on communities all over this country.
0: Wow. So what was the, you know, and again, I want everyone to read the book, but so the, the huge, the biggest accomplishment was that there finally was, um, you know, that they admitted admission to, you know, there is finally, it took a long time too. You had a arduous, long journey um, bringing that to light. Um, but that the big thing is that they finally were going to um, go ahead and replace those pipes. Correct.
1: Yeah, I think that's wonderful news. I don't think anybody expected it. Um, you know, we took, we took satisfaction in small victories. Uh, just getting the water switched back to the Great Lakes was amazing. Getting filters on the ground was amazing. Getting our lead pipes was amazing. Uh, you know, the programs for the kids has all been amazing. So there have been so many wonderful accomplishments and, and I, I try to stay grounded in the work. Um, I was in clinic this morning. Um, and, you know, and really recognizing that this work is long term work, and we're happy with with what has already happened and what we've been able to accomplish, but really we we want to make sure that we we can continue the momentum and do this work for years to come
0: so looking back, what do you think is your proudest accomplishment to date and by the way, for our listeners, I was getting your like description, your bio and everything, and you have like um an amazing resume that's like almost 20 pages long. <laughs> I was just like, wow, this is and I, you know, this is just awesome. I didn't I didn't even mention half of the things that you've done. No, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 but but what is, you know, for you? And I'm sure part yeah. of it has to do with this journey, but yeah. Um, yeah,
1: you know, I think my proudest accomplishment is is staying grounded, um, staying humble, um, staying really kind of true to the work and, you know, remembering that I am privileged to be here and to work in the city. Um, and that I work for kids. I, I, you know, I think, um, I think, so many people are like, Oh my gosh, you're a celebrity. Like, Oh, you're on a book tour. Oh my God. Do you even work? I'm like, no, I'm just, Mm -hmm. I'm just, I'm a real person. I'm a mom, I'm a doctor. Like I'm, I'm, I'm busy. I'm doing the work. And that's one of the lessons of this book. It's like, you know, I'm not some like super special person. I'm just like you are. I'm just like everybody else and that we all have the power within us um, to do good and to right wrongs. Um, So I, I, I I don't know if it's an accomplishment, but I think that's kind of like what, what drives me.
0: Wow. What do you think the future holds for you? I know you talked about the wonderful programming that um, you're overseeing yeah. and what's going on in Flint, but what else? What yeah,
1: else? I, it's just, I, you know, the future is kind of, you know, a lot of our work is just beginning. Our, our Flint registry launched last week.
0: Wow. Um,
1: you know, it's the continuation of, of a lot of this work. Um, in terms of the book, I you know, I, I hope it continues to be read by by many folks. Um, the lessons are, are relevant today. The the lessons go way way beyond Flint. It's it's really fundamentally, um, as the title alludes to. You know, what the eyes don't see. It's about about people and places and problems that we choose not to see. And it is about the power within all of us to open our eyes, to be awake, and most importantly, to act and to make the world a better place.
0: Wow. And I hope that you're catching up on sleep and everything, too. Because <laughs> <I laughs> I'm like, when do you sleep? <laughs> oh, that you're lots of coffee. You're Still lots of coffee. <laughs> and any, oh, I had to add this. Any plans on running for president?
1: <laughs> I can't, I wasn't born here, <laughs> oh, so that
0: takes okay, well, Congress or Senate, you know
1: <laughs> I'm uh, out of work I'm great right now <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh well, wonderful, so actually are you um are you on a book a book tour or, you know how long what what is that like?
1: Sure. So I was. So the book came out in June of 2018, and I I was on like a three week book tour. But I am I'm back at work. The paperback of the book comes out in in February of 2019. Um, so there'll be like some kind of renewed promotion with that. Um, but I you know a lot of universities have picked have picked this up, and and as well as a lot of states. Um, for example, it's the um. Rhode Island, it's like the one book of Rhode Island. It's a finalist for Maryland's one book. Um, yeah, there's a lot of schools and universities that have also kind of picked this up for classes or for like, for example, all their students are reading it. Um, so I'm so excited that, that the messages and the lessons of this book are getting out there and, um, it continues to be kind of integrated with my, with my everyday work.
0: Wow, for sure. And then you had mentioned um before we started the interview you had mentioned that you do have um, discussion questions if people do choose to choose yeah. it for like their book clubs and stuff. Yep.
1: Yep. Where can people find them? Yep. Those? Um um they can find them on my website, so okay. com.
0: Okay. And then also, you know, we also wanted to kind of bring light to um, any um so that's your website, com, mm-hmm. and then also flintkids.com, correct? Where you yes. You have been mm. encouraging people to, you know, if they want to continue to make a donation to help the kids of, Det- of yep. Flint.
1: Yep, yep, uh, flintkids.com, part of the proceeds of this book. Go to Flintkids. That's one of the reasons that I wrote this book. Uh, We established this fund to really make sure that we can fund um, all the interventions that our kids need to thrive. Uh, We've been able to raise about $20 million. We've given out $7 million. It's, you know, it's this fund that is supporting, for example, our literacy programs and our home visiting programs and breastfeeding support. Uh, So um, anyone who wants to contribute, flintkids.org. Or no. dot .com. Either way is
0: fine. And what do your daughters think about um, everything, that, you know, that you've done and that's happened since then in your book? I mean, that's just what an amazing role yeah, model. Yeah, they, ama- uh, they aw- just s- miss their <laughs> 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 uh,
1: They're great. Um, you know, they, um, we, but once again, like, you know, we don't talk about this as much at home. We talk about Girl Scouts and soccer practice and swimming and homework. So we try to be grounded at home as much as possible, too.
0: Well, yep, that sounds yeah. Actually, that's interesting. Michelle Obama talked about that too <laughs> in her yeah. book. Like we didn't talk about you know foreign policy. We talked about what yeah. what your friend said today, yeah. and, and that's so true. As any exactly. mom, they have to be the center of our universe when we're with them.
1: Exactly. Exactly. When you asked me earlier, what's my biggest accomplishment? Like I, like I was thinking, like of my life, it's my children. Like my children are my biggest accomplishment. Um, but but they also know, and and they've said before, um, like when I'm not home or I'm busy, they're like, mom's taking care of her six, uh, of our uh, Um, so that they know that I, you know, that I care for my Flint kids just as I care for them.
0: Wow, amazing! Well, thank you so much for your time, uh, Mono. Like we're just so um, so inspired. Um, you're just like such an inspiration. You know, we've had a lot of guests, but I just love how again you tie so many crucial elements um, of you know and and um, talent and passion and drive and like wow. that sense of accountability and um, and justice and and I. I mean again I really encourage people to read this book and um and like mm-hmm. you said I mean just that we we're all g- going to be put in positions I think um even on a daily basis you know you kind of always Absolutely. have to make decisions um between not necessarily right or wrong but like kind of what might be the better choice um but then when faced exactly. with like a huge turning point or like this you know big thing in your lap like what do you do in that moment and that's kind of what right. this book is exactly. about so exactly. thank you so thank much you for so your, much. your time. Thank you. Thank you for your time and um, and for sharing this um, so that we all could, you know, because it could have been really easy to, you know, it's kind of like the news of the day and you kind of, it was horrible and you forget about it. If you live in Michigan, you think about it a little bit more. Um, but Rain. the fact that you sh- um, documented and shared the story um, is, you know, just really thankful that you did that.
1: Thank you. I appreciate it. You're, you're awesome. Thank you for getting it. Thank you so much.
0: Oh, no. Thank you. I mean, really, it's just so inspired. So, well, I think that wraps up our conversation today. And I uh, just want to thank our listeners. And again, just encourage our listeners again to read this amazing book. And that's right. It's coming out in paperback next month, too. So, yep. What the Eyes Don't See, A Story of Crisis, Resistance, and Hope in an American City, a Detailed Account of the Flint Water Crisis, but, um, you know, which is a huge story in and of itself, but so much more. Um and uh, thank you so much, everyone, for tuning in and listening. And again, you can find our past episodes on iTunes and um, our, the website, podcastdetroit.com. And also, um, we have a Facebook page where you can um, find links and all that good stuff, too. So um, thank you, everyone. Thank you again, Mona. And um, have, everyone have a great day.